everybody. Welcome to Augmenters. I'm Julie. And this is Jimmy. Hello. We are two business founders who started out as solopreneurs, yet found our greatest success when working with others. Mentoring is key to incredible relationships, and the Augmenters platform will help you get further faster because great relationships lead to better business and more fulfilling lives. You are here because you want to help others shine and see the light in themselves. We will support you in your mentoring journey with advice, tools, and stories that will augment your relationships to the next level. So strap on your ear pods, prepare to listen generously, and become an augmenter with us. Jimmy, I forgot my headphones again. No worries. Just turn up the volume into this next Augmenters episode. Good morning, Jimmy. Julie, happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July, Independence Day. It's also my wedding anniversary, actually. I've been married for 23 years. It's a long time. Thank you very much. Congratulations. <laughs> I think we'll have to bring Jed on the mentoring podcast at some point. He has a lot yeah. to say. He's a coffee mentor to me. Number one, Bill Murray. Number two, Jed Meyer and my coffee mentors. But we're not here to talk about Jed. We're here to talk about... Woman mentoring. We're mentoring with Michelle Ferguson. Yeah. What a great conversation we had last week. I feel really honored that we have two sort of mentoring experts who have come along on our journey with us. We had Wendy Murphy from Babson, who has written a book on mentoring, and now Michelle Ferguson, who's maybe a bit of a new expert in mentoring. And I kind of like Michelle's approach to it. You know, Wendy was very much on the academic side, whereas Michelle was so hands on and through a very specific time and lens, you know, being in business, especially in large S&P 500 uh, business units from, you know, the eighties, I mean, for a whole generation to today. And I think it, it gives a really nice complementary approach to some of the theories uh, that Wendy has uncovered during her research. Totally, totally. And I actually, you know, do you know how I met Michelle? No, I don't. I met her through Chief. Chief. Uh, Chief. So I actually had the opportunity to meet Michelle through Chief. Do you know about Chief, Jimmy? Mm, tell me more. Chief is this really incredibly cool network. It started a couple of years back, and it is a network of women who have the opportunity to connect, to support each other. They have this awesome core program, which is very much along the lines of our sort of peer mentoring that we do. You get about eight or nine ladies together with a facilitator to help you really set your goals and work together monthly. But then there's also these awesome, I have to be honest, flagships so nice. You'll have to come. They let guys in. It's great. You'll love it. Free coffee uh, in mm. New York and the one in Chicago. Um, and then they have great events. They have, uh, you know, everybody from Michelle Obama to uh, Eva Longoria is coming to, uh, you know, have the opportunity to have this very kind of exclusive experience. But I think really the overall goal is to create this really supportive network where people can connect. They can show up for each other. I've been super impressed. I reached out to Michelle. I said, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? She's like, absolutely. She held a mentoring event. So yeah, it's this really, I think, very special group that, yeah, just gives you incredible access to meet new people. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking at their website now, www.chief.com. There are flagship locations where with your membership, you're able to enjoy an exclusive clubhouse, as you said, New York, Chicago, and also LA and San Francisco. It looks incredible. 
And uh, I hope I get the opportunity uh, for not just some free coffee, but uh, maybe we'll even get an invite over to uh, the California locations where you haven't been yet and we can uh, record a podcast or two. Fabulous. So shout out any chiefs listening who'd like to do some augmentoring anywhere in the country. I thought it was awesome. And, and it makes sense. I remember looking at Michelle's LinkedIn and seeing that she's one of the founding members of Chief, which are only a few people. And what I really like when I was reading about Chief, it creates this opportunity for people to form relationships and it removes the need for mentees to kind of be a likeness of potentially the older person. So you know, at Augmenters here, we really want to break down some of the classical stereotypes of a mentoring relationship. So I think it's great that Chief gives these peer mentoring options so you can see how helpful you can be to people that aren't necessarily trying to walk in the same path that you walked, which is fantastic. And it immediately really helps begin to build those hydrogen bonds or these relationships that become the web of a community because you have lots of connections and you have history and mutual respect with folks that are not just within your sphere of influence. And that's something that is very exciting with our talk with Michelle, where she really uh, speaks on how innovation within business teams is all about cross team collaboration, cross department collaboration. And that in her experience, mentoring was a key factor to really foster that innovation because relationships occurred outside of doing business, you know, eight to five, and you would have mentoring opportunities where it wasn't just coffee and complaining, but you got to really understand and care about somebody else, which then led to better business outcomes and uh, better value for customers down the road. We love that. We love, we love that. We love creating value. And even though she was, even though her book is called Woman Terrain for Women, a lot of the examples she gives is, you know, cross departments, cross genders as well. So I think everybody's going to get quite a lot out of this interview. Should we head into it? Let's dive in. Here we go. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Julie. It's a real pleasure to be here. You're so great. I had the opportunity to meet you through Chief. How would you describe Chief, Michelle? I always try to describe it to Jimmy, but I'm not quite sure exactly how to describe it. It's a network of fabulous women. It really is. I've been so impressed by everybody I've met, as well as just the platform. And mentoring had been on my mind, obviously something that we had been working on. And then it was really great to see you sort of bring that topic to, to the whole organization. And then in the meantime, you you wrote a book, which I, I think we had chatted about right before we got started. Tell us about it. Sure. Um, and, and the book is a mentoring case study. Uh, it's a chief case study. Um, I was encouraged by a fellow chief member to join a program that she was doing with a professor out of Georgetown to write a book. That conversation happened on June 3rd of last year. I joined the class a week late. And then I got a text out of, not really out of the blue, I got a text from a former mentee who We were matched in 2004, we're still in contact, and she told me that she had been appointed board chair at her alma mater, Jackson State University, and I thought, well, I'll write about mentoring. It's something I'm really passionate about, and I've learned a lot about, and I'd like more people to do it, so if I can do my bit to get more people to mentor, then I'll do my bit. That's amazing. Michelle, did you have mentors, so then did you have mentors helping you write your mentoring book? I certainly did. Uh, my, my mentors and my mentees. I had some specific mentors and coaches around the writing process. And then 
just, um, and it was more a group setting, but people who just to encourage me on the days that I didn't want to do it, or it's like I've bitten off more than I could chew, or I can't raise the money, or I can't do this, or I can't hit the deadline. So it was great to have supportive people around for that. Michelle, I have to ask, because you've now uh, created a book within a year, that's a pretty short turnaround. And here at Augmenters, we obviously love wordplay and uh, phrases. So in this short amount of time, how did you come up or what was the inspiration for the title of your book? So it actually started with uh, another working title. The working title uh, was a play on words, so you would love it. It was um, mentoring, right? So like, and I was debating on where do I hyphenate it? And then someone said, you know, it's a little hard to say. I actually threw it out. Uh, I did a, I did polls on LinkedIn, right? And the, the first poll was, what do we think about the, the, t- the title? And the feedback I got was mostly not positive. And then I kind of did this playing around with, I needed mentoring in it. I need that needed women in it. And finally, a buddy of mine, Monica Richter, sent me a message and said, Michelle, the book's about women mentoring women. Just call it that. I feel like if the title was, you know, W-O-Mentoring, it would really need to be an, an audio book. So you could really lead with the woo, Ooh, mentoring. There, you know? Oh, I, you know, and I never <laughs> thought about that. Michelle, we have spent a lot of time having very long discussions mm-hmm. about how to come up with another word Besides right. mentoring for mentoring. Right. And, and of course, the first exactly mentor, where you did. Right. The first mentor was right. It's the word came from a thing, you know, a person from, you know, in, in Greek mythology, right. From mentor. It's a bit ingrained, uh, but we're always looking for uh, differentiated diction. So uh, we, yeah. we yeah. like what you're doing. So I love also your focus, right? So really focused on women in mentoring, women mentoring. So something I would love to do a little bit deep dive on. I mean, obviously, you know, so much happening in the world right now with Roe versus Wade and overturning and women having, you know, definitely specific special needs across the board. How would you say right now women can really support each other in mentoring? Is there... Any specific uh, tips you have? Early on in my my journey, I had the good fortune to hear Ursula Burns, the former CEO of Xerox, speak, and um, you know she set me off on the whole advancement of women and DEI and mentoring thing. And she was doing a keynote and said something about you know she kept wondering why you know the CEO didn't do anything or the board didn't do anything, the boss didn't do anything, and then she woke up one morning and realized if it wasn't important enough to her to do something, why would it be important enough to anybody else? So I think one of the things that a a mentor can help a mentee with is just figuring out what's important to you and then take action about it, right? Whether it's in your personal life or your professional life, a lot of times we'll sit and wallow in why doesn't someone else do something about it, right? And at the end of the day, the person most responsible for you is you. So just you know, Ursula Burns inspired me to do something and I hope I can inspire some other people to do something. 
That's so, so true. And I think, you know, mentoring is really this, I mean, obviously there's a variety of different kinds of mentoring from peer mentoring, reverse mentoring, but really that one-on-one mentoring, it is really about how do you help somebody sort of activate what's inside of them and help them take the best actions, whether that's an action they're taking for themselves or an action to change society. It is just that sort of spark and that connection from there. Right. Not only the spark, but the encouragement that you can do it. And I had a, a boss at one point who kept you know, we had, we had a problem and he kept asking me who we could throw in to fix the problem. And I keep coming up with other people because it was a general, general management role and I was a finance and ops person. And he finally said to me, well, could you do it? Right. It didn't occur to me. I could do it. Right. Occurred to him. So the other thing a mentor can do is help a mentee with like, you can do it. Right. Like, even if it's not on your, what you plan your career path, your personal path to be, right. You could be something different. I love that. I love that. And do you, would you say there's anything specific to women related to this, that maybe women have a special need for that encouragement or do you just kind of see it across the board? Yeah. I, I think the the one thing that specifically is everything around the gender pay gap, right. I think mostly the mentoring relationship should be based on what the mentee needs. But I think that pay is one thing where the mentor really needs to push because the reality of it is in the United States, we still make 84 cents on the dollar, you know, women versus men. And I think what uh, a mentor can help with is just the data, right? Like what should you be making, right? Because it, you know, a thousand dollar difference when you start your career, right? Can, you know, it's like a 30% difference within, you know, 10 years, right? Like, because it compounds. So just... I think women are sometimes raised to be nice and not ask for more and that they may not come into a a salary negotiation prepared with data, right? So it's like, what should you be getting paid? You know, can you figure out what your coworkers are making? You usually can, uh, right? But I I think that's the one place where the mentor really needs to push the mentee because, right, we need to raise the bar for everybody. Absolutely. And, and, you know, thinking about sort of this broader kind of mentoring culture, you know, we see that there are some companies who have play a lot of lip service to mentoring culture. They talk a lot about having that be part of their culture. And then, you know, they kind of throw together a program and they put somebody in charge who has 10 other jobs and it starts off strong, but that doesn't go anywhere. What would you really define as a mentoring culture within a company? You know, I, I think you want to create a culture where people just naturally will support their colleagues and that people will be willing to ask for it. Before I co-founded a program, I'd never had a mentor because it never occurred to me to ask for one. And it was, I mean, we were a supportive organization. There were certainly plenty of people who looked out for me and supported me, but that sort of focused one-on-one over a period of time, you know, I would have like, go look for guidance for specific kind of things like one off. Um, So I think it's just, you know, creating an environment where like you help each other. And when we co-founded the program, which started as a one-on-one program and then rolled into other kinds of things, one of our stated goals was to create a mentoring culture. And I think we sort of had it anyway, but like sort of formalizing it. Michelle, I'm hearing a little bit about you know, this theme of transparency when you're talking about the gender pay gap and right. what a mentor can do is really bring data to that. And then I love the it's so simple yet such a difficult switch to turn about, oh, I want a mentor. I need to ask for one. You know, it doesn't, you know, you, you don't get what you don't ask for, as right. was one quote we had from a previous guest. And I'm 
I'm, I'm kind of curious how you see this continuing, uh, this trend of transparency moving forward. There's been this viral TikTok channel of a young lady in, in Arlington, Virginia. I don't know if you've seen her. She's gone up to people on the street and just said, will you give us your title and how much you get paid at, and who, who you work for? And people have been sharing anonymously their salaries and kind of getting that out in the world to help give some data points. Where else do you see transparency coming, especially in uh, you know, communities of women and women helping each other? Well, I mean, I think in sort in hiring and representation, I mean, I, I you know, I, I sort of tripped on this uh, male colleagues retirement party. There's data, you know, and this data can be massaged. Right. I was in an or, you know, overall, the organization was more than 50 percent women. And I was at a retirement party and looked around the room. And I was talking to two buddies of mine who happened to be women. And it was the two of us, the retiree's wife and the wait staff. That was the number of women. And that there are probably more women than people of color in the room, right? And do we have women in senior roles, right? Women or um, people from other, from underrepresented groups are put in some, you know, ceremonial position, right? But here it was, this was just, this was a retirement party. It was a cross section of our senior executives. And all I had to do was look around and say, this doesn't look right, right? I don't care what our data says. This And we weren't doing anything to massage it, but I think getting the data and, you know, Julie, you mentioned Chief. One of my buddies at Chief, Sandia Jane Patel, who actually was the person who convinced me to write the book, has a spreadsheet and right with compensation data. And your price of entry is that you put your data in, again, anonymously. This is my industry. This is my function. This is where I am. So it's sort of informal. It's probably not statistically valid, but it's just, it's it's a data point. So Michelle, also within this set of transparency, I'll bring up innovation. You know, every organization wants a culture of mentoring. Every innovation wants a culture of innovation. Yet innovation, everybody knows, is best done by a variety of perspectives, variety of experiences. Literally, a diversity of talent is best to fuel innovation. Right. Yet, there's always this shroud of transparency where people try not to share whatever they're working on next. How, how can you see certain communities potentially be able to come together to start sharing all these important aspects of innovation around just, you know, kind of caring about one another from a, from a basic standpoint? So I don't know if that's a cross- company, across industry, across department within a company. But do you have anything that you found about how innovation can be increased by mentoring? You know, I think one of the things we saw overall at the program, right? So I worked at McGraw-Hill S&P. We had, you know, at the time, 20,000 people across the globe. Uh, We were, like a lot of organizations, very siloed, right? The people in McGraw-Hill Education talked to the people in McGraw-Hill Education. And even within that, I think what we saw with both the mentoring program and the women's initiative is we were a volunteer army, right? Like it was, everybody was a volunteer. And and I actually think most people will do the right thing if they're given the opportunity to do that. And so we started conversation across business units, right? Which to your point, like that diversity and someone from a, like who, who's got the beginner's mindset, right? I Whatever the industry or the function you have the way that you attack problems, but someone who's coming at it a different way might ask different questions or look at things differently. So I think we opened that out. And certainly what we saw is people more willing to work on cross-functional initiatives. Uh, you know, some at some point after 
we started the mentoring program and the women's initiative. We started, the, the organization started a Six Sigma organization. And I'd like to think people started moving between business units. I'd like to think we had something to do with that. I mean, I, I certainly, I remember I was running a business in Latin America. And uh, again, we were like, even within the, the Six Sigma program, it was like, it was by business unit. And I'm like, I need someone who speaks Spanish, right? I can't like, and I need someone who speaks Spanish well, because most of my employees didn't speak English. So I went and found somebody in another business unit. And they're like, you can't do that. It's like, guess what? It's what we need. And, you know, quite frankly, it was because of the mentoring program that I got and the women's initiative that I got to meet people outside my business unit. Right. Um, so for me personally, I, I switched jobs at one point and within a month was at a sales conference with a thousand people. And my boss said like, how do you know all these people? Like, I really don't, but they sort of know me as from, from the mentoring program and from the women's initiative. And that helped me in my, like, they were all behind me. And that was never, that was never my goal, but I became known as somebody who was concerned about the development of other people. So they, they helped me to my, my job better, right? I was getting better intel that from them, right? Than some of the people who worked for me who just were a little guarded and maybe didn't want to air the dirty laundry when I was brand new in the job where other people are like, I think you should know. That is such a great case study yeah. on the importance of a culture of mentoring. We heard yeah. a couple of great uh, case studies Jimmy and I had before of peer mentoring happening in organizations where senior leaders kind of facilitate those discussions, brings together folks from all over the organization. Yeah. And yeah, you just have a chance to really hear what's going on in a way that if you don't participate in that, you don't. And it's a low lift, um, but it is really, you know, creating creating that culture. You know, seeing the, the value besides just people think, oh, it's just for the mentee to get connections. No, but I'd love to shift gears a little bit because I'd love to talk a little bit more about the book, um, knowing that we are, I guess, a little bit past grad season, but uh, we know, obviously, lots of young uh, grads and different folks out there thinking about mentoring, but then also, obviously, within organizations. Yeah, tell us, just tell us a little bit more. You know, my point in writing the book is that I, you know, I went into mentoring initially. It seemed like the right thing to do. It was all about the mentees. You know, we had a program that we said was mentee driven. And uh, what I realized from both from not only my mentoring relationships, but from speaking to re repeat mentors is that, you know, the first time someone came in and we asked them their motivation, they would say something to the effect of, oh, I want to give back. I had a mentor, something very noble. Um, and what we found with repeat mentors, the mentors would come back and say, I actually learned a lot. I learned about a different business, a different culture, a different way of attacking things, right? So people, the mentors were fueled to come back, not only for their mentee, for the benefit of the mentees, but for, for themselves. You know, early on the program, I was, I was, I was in a global role. I was in international operations. Um, and actually for a while I was running a business in, in Southern Europe. And, you know, I got this sense that life was very different from people for people who were as one of my colleagues uh said like far away from the mothership right so we were very new york focused so mentors we weren't supposed to be able to ask um for, for what we wanted but i was co-leading the program um and so i said well it's not that i want somebody but i think i could help somebody <laughs> who was trying to navigate the i'm distant Specifically, I'm outside the United States. So I had a mentee who was based in Madrid 
And I was, again, like I was probably in Madrid once a month at that point. So we actually got to meet in person most of the time, even though I was technically in New York. You know, at some point I realized I was only mentoring women. It's like, well, I have team members. Like I work, I don't just work with women. In fact, I primarily work with men. I should be mentoring more men, right? I should, right? I think a lot of times we think that our mentees need to be some prior version of ourselves. So I was mentoring a lot of finance and ops persons. Like, would I learn something if I mentored someone who was in marketing in a different industry? So I got involved with a program that Mentium, who helped us start launch our program, they did a cross company mentoring program. So it's like, and, you know, quite frankly, I saw that at the beginning of COVID, I was mentoring someone who worked remotely, managed a remote team. And while everyone else was struggling at the beginning of the pandemic to figure it out, my mentee already had already figured it out. So, you know, one, one of the angles of the book is, right, can mentors be a little more selfish? And certainly that's something I've had to learn over my career. I'm, I can be an overgiver, right? So, you know, periodically, like I need to take care of me and think about me. So is the book really sort of an amalgamation of the experience that you've had over time? Is it a program? Is it case studies? You know, when when I was researching the book, most of what I found was either very heavily academic or completely frivolous. Uh, So my aim was to have something. That's quite a range, Michelle. Well, oh, and they were all, I I mentioned it in the book. I'm a big user of the New York Public Library. I, I took out every book that had mentoring in the title. Almost everyone was written by a man, including like Russell Brand. Um, but right. So I don't think we've read his yet. Yeah, you probably wouldn't. Um, but uh, I'm going to guess Russell Brands was a bit more on the frivolous. It wasn't. It wasn't terribly academic. Um, yeah. But uh, he would make a good podcast guest, though. He, he probably makes. Yeah, I'm sure he would. And so I was trying to, you know, uh, write something that was approachable. So you know, the first half of the book is there's a little bit about the different kinds of mentoring, which you talked about. I think a lot of times we think about just one-on-one mentoring. I actually think you should have a diversity of mentoring partners and do a di- different kinds of mentoring. I think you get different things from different relationships. And then a little bit on like some best practices, which we sort of know and then sort of forget. And then sort of go into some of the topics, but it's heavy. The feedback I'm getting is, you know, pe- what people really appreciated was were the stories. Uh, and it's my stories and the stories of a lot of other people I've spoken to. And, you know, and we we learn right? A lot of times someone said, you know, if I like reading your book, you sound like, you sound like a terrible mentor. <laughs> but we, we, we learn when we do things wrong. And I continue, there's a story of, you know, something that I tripped over just last summer, right? A, you know, a, you know, a story, a DEI kind of story where I made an assumption on someone that was completely wrong. And we do that. And I learned from it. And fortunately, I tripped over it with someone that I knew pretty well. So she knew my tensions were good. So it's, it's heavy into stories and it's, I think it's a pretty easy read and there's some guidance on how to be better about it, about keeping things confidential and keeping them goal focused. But really my goal was just to get more people to be involved with mentoring. So I didn't want it to be something that like felt like a chore to read. I love it. And it sounds like Michelle that a lot of these stories, you're being quite vulnerable. It's not like you're saying you're, you're succeeding and knocking out of the park each time. Uh, how do you uh, recommend you know, vulnerability being brought to these mentoring relationships? Like at what point in the relationship? Right. Yeah. No, I think it, it takes a little bit of time. And I think that's part of the, you know, setting the 
the boundaries and the goals of your relationship, right? I don't want to push someone to speak about something they don't want to speak about, right? And there's very little that's off off limits for me, but not everybody is me. I certainly found that between my first and second mentees in the program, one of them was very outgoing and would talk about anything. And the other one was just a, was more reserved, right? And I sort of, and you do this with people. Like I was going to approach the second mentee the way I approached the first one. They're very different people, right? Whether it's your kids or your employees, right? Like each of them is a little bit different. You know, like one of the raps, I actually remember like hearing this just, I was at some conference just pre-COVID and somebody was kind of bashing mentoring and saying it's just frivolous. It's just coffee and complaining. It's like, yeah, not if you do it right. Like, but it, right, it's not, right? Yeah. And that's the keep it, you know, goal-focused and professional development. Are there time, like Gina, who's all over the book, right? She and I could be could have been best friends in another life, right? And we actually had to sort of, a lot of common interests. We like to do like different things together. And we sort of had the, you know, if we're going to go out to dinner, like the first hour is focused on like mentoring. And then we can talk about whatever we want to talk about afterwards, right? But just cover what we need to cover first, right? It's not, a mentor isn't just someone to listen to you complain and like, you know, catch you on the back. And say, I think we going. early on had the question of, is it just a therapist? What were you saying about a free therapist? Was a mentor a free therapist? Yeah, therapy. So I had a co colleague who called it therapy on the cheap. And, you know, at times it is, right? Because, you know, and I think we've seen even more of that in the last two years, right? It's been tough road in a lot of ways. You know, that's that's not primarily the nature of the relationship. And I think, you know, the other thing that we need to be mindful of, one of the, the mentors suggested the mentee needed therapy and might have been, and we're not, right? I, you know, if you, if you do have a partner who seems to be really challenged, then maybe the mentoring is you need some help that's not me, right? And I think that's to the vulnerability, being honest that there are things you can help with and things you can't. And also to be honest, that you're not going to get everything right. And that, you know, and I, and I found this, you know, I, I talk in the book about DEI, right? If, right, I, you try to be precise with your language, you try to be sensitive, but the reality of it is I am a white woman and I, I'm a straight white woman, right? I, I, I try, but I will say things that at times that maybe I could have said better, right? This was great. All right, Michelle, we're going to wrap up. What is next for you? You've written this book. Where can people find it, first of all? And second of all, what's next? Um, so the book and the ebook are available both on uh, Amazon and on Barnes & Noble. Um, you know, my next big goal is to do a little bit more practicing what I'm preaching. We hope this episode was brief yet bright, and now it's time to read us out. And remember, we are here because real relationships have the power to transform organizations and build dynamic communities. Go ahead, Jimmy. Absolutely. Augmenters supports mentoring that matters. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about, someone who needs a new mentoring relationship in their life pronto. We welcome questions and suggestions via email. Hi at augmenters.us or via social media with our handle at augmentershq. Shout out to our producers, Erlen Cato and Sean Omendam. Thank you. Augmenters out. See ya.